Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales. I am your editor, producer, host, and all-around person who does... Thank you for listening. As always, the show is brought to you by bunnieslippers.com. I just have to say, the Highland Cow Slippers continue to keep my feet warm as I record. Oh man. Woo, baby. And hopefully in October, I'll be throwing a pair out into... Uh, some panel group at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Hopefully that's going on in October. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's staying safe. I hope everyone's staying clean. And when you're out and about, staying sterile. I don't know. Hey, just keep your brain going. Listen to some Oz. <coughs> I, I wonder what happens if, if uh, you sync uh, this podcast up with... Uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, or who? Maybe if you uh, play the podcast while you watch Live at Pompeii. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> um, I, I don't mean to laugh at my own jokes, but there's no one else here too. So yeah, um, hope you checked out and enjoyed David Heath talking about Wizard of Oz and pop culture. And coming up soon, we're going to have Ken Height talking about The Wizard of Oz. I should have done a special where I put them together, but I didn't think about that. Oh, man. I fell down some stairs the other day. I hurt my ankle and my wrist. It's... I'm, I'm finally getting this all out at the last minute, but yeah. So, hey, I hope you enjoy this. I hope you enjoy this week. This is the final week of Oz. This is the fifth story of... Dorothy Gale? Yeah, Dorothy Gale. Okay, so... But there's a ton more Oz books out there. There is seriously an insane amount of Oz books. They kept writing them. Not just... Uh, like, um, kind of like the Oz... Kind of like the Oz Society approves fan fiction kind of stuff. It's a ton of stuff out there. I, I, I recommend checking out the artwork at least. It's, it's very cool, interesting stuff. And... Yeah, Wizard of Oz, it's fun, it's, I enjoy it, Hope, oh, hopefully you're enjoying it, and you've made it through the five books, I can't remember what next month is, but it's gonna be fun, and also, don't forget to check out People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, coming out on Tuesday of this week, and we're gonna be talking about a certain region of France that Clark Ashton Smith wrote about, and what else can we think? Yeah, no, remember to subscribe, listen, uh, tell your friends about it, and that's the best way you can help the show is rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that podcasts are found because that's what's helpful. Here we go. Chapter 28. How they drank at the Forbidden Fountain. The Scarecrow had no need to sleep, neither had the Tin Woodman or TikTok or Jack Pumpkinhead. So they all wandered out into the palace grounds and stood beside the sparkling water of the Forbidden Fountain until daybreak. During this time, they indulged in occasional conversation. Nothing could make me forget what I know, remarked the Scarecrow, gazing into the fountain, for I cannot drink the water of oblivion or water of any kind, and I'm glad that this is so, for I consider my wisdom unexcelled. You are certainly very wise, agreed Tick-Tock. For my part, I can only think by machinery, so I do not pretend to know as much as you do. My ten brains are very bright, 
"'But that is all I claim for them,' said Nick Chopper modestly. "'Yet I do not aspire to being very wise, "'for I have noticed that the happiest people "'are those who do not let their brains oppress them.' "'Mine never worry me,' Jack Pumpkinhead acknowledged. "'There are many seeds of thought in my head, "'but they do not sprout easily. "'I am glad that it is so, for if I occupied my days in thinking, "'I should have no time for anything else.' In this cheery mood they passed the hours until the first golden shrieks of dawn appeared in the sky. Then Ozma joined them, as fresh and lovely as ever, and robed in one of her prettiest gowns. "'Our enemies have not yet arrived,' said the Scarecrow, after greeting affectionately the sweet and girlish ruler. "'They will be here soon,' she said." "'for I have just glanced at my magic picture "'and have seen them coughing and choking with the dust in the tunnel.' "'Oh, is there dust in the tunnel?' asked the Tin Woodman. "'Yes. Ozma placed it there by means of the magic belt,' "'explained the Scarecrow with one of his broad smiles. "'Then Dorothy came to them, Uncle Henry and Aunt Em following close after her. "'The little girl's eyes were heavy "'because she had had a sleepless and anxious night.' Toto walked by her side, but the little dog's spirits were very much subdued. Bellina, who was always up by daybreak, was not long in joining the group by the fountain. The wizard and the shaggy man next arrived, and soon after appeared Omby Amby, dressed in his best uniform. "'There lies the tunnel,' said Ozma, pointing to a part of the ground just before the forbidden fountain." and in a few moments the dreadful invaders will break through the earth and swarm over the land. Let us all stand on the other side of the fountain and watch to see what happens. At once they followed her suggestion and moved around the fountain of the Water of Oblivion. There they stood, silent and expectant, until the earth beyond gave way with a sudden crash, and up leaped the powerful form of the first and foremost followed by all his grim warriors. As the leader sprang forward, his gleaming eyes caught the play of the fountain, and he rushed toward it and drank eagerly of the sparkling water. Many of the other phantasms drank, too, in order to clear their dry and dusty throats. Then they stood around and looked at one another with simple, wondering smiles. The first and foremost saw Ozma and her companions beyond the fountain, but instead of making an effort to capture her, he merely stared at her in pleased admiration of her beauty, for he had forgotten where he was and why he had come there. But now the Grand Gollipoot arrived, rushing from the tunnel with a hoarse cry of mingled rage and thirst. He, too, saw the fountain and hastened to drink of its forbidden waters. The other Growlywogs were not slow to follow suit, and even before they had finished drinking, the chief of the Whimsies and his people began to push them away, while they one and all cast off their false heads that they might slake their thirst at the fountain. When the Gnome King and General Guff arrived, they both made a dash to drink, but the General was so mad with thirst that he knocked his king over, and while Roquat lay sprawling upon the ground, the general drank heartily of the water of oblivion. This rude act of his general made the gnome king so angry that for a moment he forgot he was thirsty and rose to his feet to glare upon the group of terrible warriors he had brought there to assist him. 
He saw Ozma and her people, too, and yelled out, Why don't you capture them? Why don't you conquer Oz, you idiots? Why do you stand there like a lot of dummies? But the great warriors had become like little children. They had forgotten all their enmity against Ozma and against Oz. They had even forgotten who they themselves were or why they were in this strange and beautiful country. As for the Nome King, they did not recognize him and wondered who he was. The sun came up and sent its flood of silver rays to light the faces of the invaders. The frowns and scowls and evil looks were all gone. Even the most monstrous of the creatures there assembled smiled innocently and seemed light-hearted and content merely to be alive. Not so with Roquat, the Gnome King. He had not drunk from the Forbidden Fountain, and all his former rage against Ozma and Dorothy now inflamed him as fiercely as ever. The sight of General Guff babbling like a happy child and playing with his hands in the cool waters of the fountain astonished and maddened Red Roquat. Seeing that his terrible allies and his own general refused to act, the Nome King turned to order his great army of gnomes to advance from the tunnel and seize the helpless Oz people. But the Scarecrow suspected what was in the King's mind, and spoke a word to the Tin Woodman. Together they ran at Roquat and grabbed him up and tossed him into the great basin of the fountain. The Nome King's body was round as a ball, and it bobbed up and down in the water of oblivion until he spluttered and screamed with fear lest he should drown. And when he cried out, his mouth filled with water, which ran down his throat, so that straightway he forgot all he had formerly known, just as completely as had all the other invaders. Ozma and Dorothy could not refrain from laughing to see their dreaded enemies become as harmless as babies. There was no danger now that Oz would be destroyed. The only question remaining to solve was how to get rid of this horde of intruders. The shaggy man kindly pulled the Nome King out of the fountain and set him upon his thin legs. Roquat was dripping wet, but he chattered and laughed and wanted to drink more of the water. No thought of injuring any person was now in his mind. Before he left the tunnel, he had commanded his fifty thousand gnomes to remain there until he ordered them to advance, as he wished to give his allies time to conquer Oz before he appeared with his own army. Ozma did not wish all these gnomes to overrun her land, so she advanced to King Roquat, and, taking his hand in her own, said gently, "'Who are you? What is your name?' "'I don't know,' he replied, smiling at her. "'Who are you, my dear?' "'My name is Ozma, she said, and your name is Roquat.' "'Oh, is it?' he replied, seeming pleased. "'Yes, you are king of the gnomes,' she said. "'Ah, I wonder what gnomes are,' returned the king, as if puzzled. "'They are underground elves, and that tunnel over there is full of them,' she answered. "'You have a beautiful cavern at the other end of the tunnel, "'so you must go to your gnomes and say, "'March home.' Then follow after them, and in time you will reach the pretty cavern where you live. The Gnome King was much pleased to learn this, for he had forgotten he had a cavern. So he went to the tunnel and said to his army, March home. At once the gnomes turned and marched back through the tunnel, and the king followed after them, laughing with delight, 
to find his orders so readily obeyed. The wizard went to General Guff, who was trying to count his fingers, and told him to follow the Nome King, who was his master. Guff meekly obeyed, and so all the gnomes quitted the land of Oz forever. But there were still the Fanfasms and Whimsies and Growlywogs standing around in groups, and they were so many that they filled the gardens and tramped upon the flowers and grass because they did not know that the tender plants would be injured by their clumsy feet. But in all other respects they were perfectly harmless and played together like children or gazed with pleasure upon the pretty sights of the royal gardens. After counseling with the Scarecrow, Ozma sent Ambi Ambi to the palace for the magic belt, and when the Captain General returned with it, the ruler of Oz at once clasped the precious belt around her waist. I wish all these strange people, the Whimsies and the Growlywogs and the Fanfasms, safe back in their own homes, she said. It all happened in a twinkling, for of course the wish was no sooner spoken than it was granted. All the hosts of the invaders were gone, and only the trampled grass showed that they had ever been in the land of Oz. End of chapter 28 9. How Glinda Worked a Magic Spell that was better than fighting, said Ozma, when all our friends were assembled in the palace after the exciting events of the morning, and each and every one agreed with her. No one was hurt, said the wizard delightedly, and no one hurt us, added Aunt Em. But best of all, said Dorothy, the wicked people have all forgotten their wickedness and will not wish to hurt anyone after this. True, princess, declared the shaggy man. It seems to me that to have reformed all those evil characters is more important than to have saved Oz. Nevertheless, remarked the Scarecrow, I am glad Oz is saved. I can now go back to my new mansion and live happily. And I am glad and grateful that my pumpkin farm is saved, said Jack. For my part, added the Tin Woodman, I cannot express my joy that my lovely tin castle is not to be demolished by wicked enemies. Still, said Tick-Tock, other enemies may come to Oz some day. Why do you allow your clockwork brains to interrupt our joy? asked Omby Amby, frowning at the machine man. I say what I am wound up to say, answered Tick-Tock. And you are right, declared Ozma. I myself have been thinking of this very idea, and it seems to me there are entirely too many ways for people to get to the land of Oz. We used to think the deadly desert that surrounds us was enough protection, but that is no longer the case. The wizard and Dorothy have both come here through the air, and I am told the Earth people have invented airships that can fly anywhere they wish to go. Why, sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't asserted Dorothy. But in time the airships may cause us trouble, continued Ozma, for if the earth folk learn how to manage them we would be overrun with visitors who would ruin our lovely secluded fairyland. That is true enough, agreed the wizard. Also, the desert fails to protect us in other ways, Ozma went on thoughtfully. Johnny Dewitt once made a sandboat that sailed across it, 
and the Nome King made a tunnel under it, so I believe something ought to be done to cut us off from the rest of the world entirely, so that no one in the future will ever be able to intrude upon us. How will you do that? asked the Scarecrow. I do not know, but in some way I am sure it can be accomplished. Tomorrow I will make a journey to the castle of Glinda the Good and ask her advice. May I go with you? asked Dorothy eagerly. Of course, my dear princess. And I also invite any of our friends here who would like to undertake the journey. They all declared they wished to accompany their girl ruler, for this was indeed an important mission, since the future of the land of Oz, to a great extent, depended upon it. So Ozma gave orders to her servants to prepare for the journey on the morrow. That day she watched her magic picture, and when it showed her that all the gnomes had returned through the tunnel to their underground caverns, Ozma used the magic belt to close up the tunnel, so that the earth underneath the desert sands became as solid as it was before the gnomes began to dig. Early the following morning, a gay cavalcade set out to visit the famous sorceress Glinda the Good. Ozma and Dorothy rode in a chariot drawn by the cowardly lion and the hungry tiger, while the sawhorse drew the red wagon in which rode the rest of the party. With hearts light and free from care, they traveled merrily along through the lovely and fascinating land of Oz, and in good season reached the stately castle in which resided the sorceress. Glinda knew that they were coming. I have been reading about you in my magic book, she said, as she greeted them in her gracious way. What is your magic book like? inquired Aunt Em curiously. It is a record of everything that happens, replied the sorceress. As soon as an event takes place anywhere in the world, it is immediately found printed in my magic book, so when I read its pages I am well informed. Did it tell you how our enemies drank the water of oblivion? asked Dorothy. Yes, my dear, it told all about it, and also it told me you were all coming to my castle, and why. Then, said Ozma, I suppose you know what is in my mind, and that I am seeking a way to prevent anyone in the future from discovering the land of Oz. Yes, I know that, and while you were on your journey, I have thought of a way to accomplish your desire, for it seems to me unwise to allow too many outside people to come here. Dorothy, with her uncle and aunt, has now returned to Oz to live always and there is no reason why we should leave any way open for others to travel uninvited to our fairyland. Let us make it impossible for anyone ever to communicate with us in any way after this. Then we may live peacefully and contentedly. Your advice is wise, returned Ozma. I thank you, Glinda, for your promise to assist me. But how can you do it? asked Dorothy. How can you keep everyone from ever finding Oz? By making our country invisible to all eyes but our own, replied the sorceress, smiling. I have a magic charm powerful enough to accomplish that wonderful feat, and now that we have been warned of our danger by the Nome King's invasion, I believe we must not hesitate to separate ourselves forever from all the rest of the world. I agree with you said the ruler of Oz. 
won't it make any difference to us? asked Dorothy doubtfully. No, my dear, Glinda answered assuringly. We shall still be able to see each other and everything in the land of Oz. It won't affect us at all, but those who fly through the air over our country will look down and see nothing at all. Those who come to the edge of the desert or even try to cross it will catch no glimpse of Oz or know in what direction it lies. No one will try to tunnel to us again because we cannot be seen and therefore cannot be found. In other words, the land of Oz will entirely disappear from the knowledge of the rest of the world. That's all right, said Dorothy cheerfully. You may make Oz invisible as soon as you please, for all I care. It is already invisible, Glinda stated. I knew Ozma's wishes and performed the magic spell before you arrived. Ozma seized the hand of the sorceress and pressed it gratefully. Thank you, she said. End of chapter 29 Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying Emerald City of Oz. And just a reminder, it really helps if you... You don't have to donate money, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is go to wherever you find this show and just review it. Give it a couple of stars. Give it well, more than a couple of stars. I mean, at least three or four. And, you know, always say something... Not always. Geez, I don't want to tell you what to do. But say something nice. I don't know. There's people who don't like the first three minutes and are, like, really mean about it. And, uh... Yeah, I don't know. It's not... Anyway. Just... just It helps the show, and it gets me money for advertising, so I don't have to do this in the middle of the show. All right. Thank you very much, and hope you enjoy the next 15 to 20 minutes left of the show. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Chapter 30 How the Story of Oz Came to an End The writer of these Oz stories has received a little note from Princess Dorothy of Oz, which, for a time, has made him feel rather disconcerted. The note was written on a broad white feather from a stork's wing. It said, You will never hear anything more about Oz because we are now cut off forever from all the rest of the world. But Toto and I will always love you and all the other children who love us. Dorothy Gale This seemed to me too bad at first, for Oz is a very interesting fairyland. Still, we have no right to feel grieved, for we have had enough of the history of the land of Oz to fill six storybooks, and from its quaint people and their strange adventures, we have been able to learn many useful and amusing things. So, good luck to little Dorothy and her companions. May they live long in their invisible country, and be very happy. End of Chapter 30 End of the Emerald City of Oz by L. Frank Baum this story read by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, October of 2012.